week of our Love Where You Live series. It's been a fantastic month, uh, packed with great stuff and all kinds of serving projects. And as we are, are learning and growing together here on Sunday morning, if you have missed any of our Sundays or, or you um, are planning a trip or going to be gone, I just want to encourage you um, to stop by the website, southhills.org slash Riverside, and you can see the link there where you can find all of our podcasts and uh, those get updated regularly for you and uh, just a great way to stay connected even when you're not here. Um, there are some things coming up that I wanted to let you know about. Um, number one, starting next week, all month long during the month of October is Family Month. Um, funny story, at my last church, uh, we, I was quite a few years in and, and I, we, would, we met in a school and there was probably, I don't know, there was probably three or four hundred people there and, and um, I was standing on the stage and, uh, and every time we would talk about family, or there, was a, there was a lady uh, named Joni and she was probably like 87-ish and she would come with her family but she would sit in the front row and they would sit way back in the back. And um, every time I talked about family or we'd talk about like, I'd tell a story about my family or talk about family month coming up, she would go, I hate my family. I hate them. <laughs> and it was so fun and so awkward all at the same time. So I'm really glad nobody yelled out that they hate their family. That was, every time I talk about family, I just get like in PTSD, like, oh, somebody's going to yell out that they hate their family. Uh, but no, uh, Family Month's coming up. It is a great, great month. And, and honestly, like we work really hard no matter what your family looks like, um, whether you're a student um, or you're an adult, whether you are married, single, you have kids, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I promise you this next month, uh, the conversations that we're going to have and the, the, the ideas we're going to talk about and, and the stuff we're going to dive into together, I promise you it will make you better, make you healthier. You'll have better relationships. And, uh, and just on top of that, we're just going to have a blast. And so this is a really, if you're a, if you're a part of our church, like this is your home church. This is where you like come every, you know, mo, you know regularly um, and you, you worship God together. And this, these are your people. And this is like... I just want to encourage you to do, we're going to talk about this in just a little bit, but do everything you can to bring someone with you, bring a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, um, a, a family member, bring them with you. Uh, I promise you that you won't regret it. They won't regret it. They're going to have a great time. Uh, and so next week, all month long during, during family month, we actually have uh, parties going on every Sunday after church. And next week, we're actually kicking off with Oktoberfest. And so um, we're going to have all-you-can-eat brats and sauerkraut. Sauerkraut's nasty, so you don't have to have that if you don't want to. Um, but um, giant soft pretzels, of course, root beer, um, and uh, plenty of, of fun. And if you have your lederhosen or clogs and you want to wear those, man, rock them proudly. We would love uh, we would love to see you in that. So that's all, that's all next week. Um, and then finally, coming up in two weeks, we have baptisms. If you have never taken that step, if you are a follower of Jesus, or you're interested in, or you'd like to do that, or you're interested in doing that, um, stop by the Connect table or see me personally. Um, and, or if you don't have the time to do either of those things today, um, on our Facebook page, there's a, uh, an event link that you can go to. Click the link. And it'll take you to a form. You fill that out. It comes straight to me. I'll get connected with you, get you all the information um, you need in order to uh, kind of move forward there. So um, it's going to be fun. We're going to do that. Uh, we actually have, so we have, we have our Oktoberfest coming up this next Sunday. And then they'll be able to following Sunday because um, we have a, 
we, we just have a, when the lights are on, you'll be able to see this, but we have a ton of Hispanic or Mexican Latino families, folks in our... As you can tell, you get, and so, and so in two weeks, we're going to have a fiesta, uh, and, uh, and so we're going to do baptisms that day, it's going to be a lot of fun, so, uh, yeah, like, all, wow, there's all kinds of weird noises being made, it's like, right on, all right, well, uh, well, I, um, I don't know if you remember, but I started, uh, I remember vividly when I started driving, and so I started officially and, and I say officially and legally driving because I drove way before that. But I started officially and legally driving, if there's any policemen in the in, in law enforcement in the audience, uh, drive, learning to drive in the, the 1900s, way back in the 1900s, um, specifically, specifically in 1990. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, but when I started to learn how to drive, when I started driving to get my driver's license, um, my mom owned this 1970 four-door Ford LTD. I mean, this thing, and if you've never seen one of these things, it was huge. And I remember the first time I saw it, it was, it was big and it was terrible. It was this massive car. It had like old lady curb feelers on the side. You know what I'm talking about? Like, anybody know what I'm talking about? The curb feelers? It, so it'd like let you know when you get too close to the curb. It was sticking off of it. And this isn't it, but this is what it looked like. It looked kind of like this car right here. I mean, it was humongous car and and only ours ours didn't even look that great it was worse because it was pale yellow and so it looked like it was a giant banana on wheels I mean it was humongous and it's impossible to describe to you how large the trunk was on that thing like I think you could park four smart cars inside the trunk it was that big when most people are moving they usually ask a friend who has a truck for help um, but our trunk was so big, people didn't even bother asking guys with trucks. They're like, hey, can you just bring your car? Because we can just throw everything in your trunk. Like, it was, it was huge. And it had these giant, cushy bench seats. It was, like, it was like driving, when you drove it, it was like driving the most comfortable couch you'd ever sat on. Like, if, if you just put wheels on a couch, it was like driving that. But here's the best part. This car had a humongous engine in it. It, was, it had a, a 429 cubic inch, 7 liter V8 engine in it. Now, I don't really know anything about cars, but I remember that. And I know enough to know that that is a humongous engine. That is like one of the biggest engines ever put in, in a car just, you know, out of a factory. And, and so, which, believe it or not, it made that car, that big old giant boat of car, it made it scary fast. I mean, it was so fast, which was amazing for a 16-year-old to get behind the wheel and realize that it had just enormous power. And when you pushed on the gas, you could feel the car lift up and just go, like it was like you were going into warp speed. Um, and it, it was just incredible. And because of the way that, because of how big it was and the, and the suspension on it, like when it would get up to speed, it would just kind of bounce and float. So you'd just be like, be doing like 95 down the freeway and you're just floating along. It's like, we're floating the boat. It's a big yellow boat. It was awesome. And when we told people how fast it was, nobody believed us. 
people thought we were exaggerating or making stuff up. And so we just started inviting people to ride with us in the big banana boat car or drive it or <clears throat> race us. Uh, and um, I know, and my mom didn't know, right? But we, we raced her car a lot. We raced a lot of people in that car. And we smoked most of them because they thought that their car was fast or they thought that... And we would race, you know, little tiny cars that were a lot faster off the blocks, but it would you just give us a little bit of a little bit of room and it'd just be like, Whoa! we would just blow their doors. It was awesome. It was amazing. And, and so um, lots of we lost lots of hubcaps on that car. Like my, my brothers and I just kept telling people, you, you got to Like, I know I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it doesn't look like much. You got to check like you got to ride it. You got to you got to you got to ride in this. You got to check it out. And what's funny is that everyone had kind of a universal opinion about that car just looking at it. Because it looked like one thing on the outside. It looked like grandma's car. Um, and it didn't matter what we said. It didn't matter how we talked about it. Everybody saw it the same way. But when they drove it, when they got to push down on that gas pedal and feel that, that engine roar to life for them. When that car would lift up. When they experienced that spit. When... For those unfortunate few who raced us, they all became believers in the Ford LTD. And the truth is, that's exactly how many of our experiences work, right? Someone we trust tells us about their experience. In fact, this is how most of us have discovered many of the things that are important to us, is that someone told us about them, whether it's our favorite restaurant some show that some new show that we're totally into and love, maybe even the job we have, or possibly even the person that we're married to. The truth is, almost every significant experience you've ever had was the result of somebody just giving you a simple invitation to check it out, to experience it for itself, for for yourself. And and part of what makes something great is being able to share how great it is with other people, with the people that you know. Because the most of the things we love, we don't, we don't think twice about sharing that with others. But there are a handful of things that really make us he hesitate. And church, church is one of those things. Faith is one of those things. Because here's the deal. You, you know this. Most people aren't neutral when it comes to church. Most people, I mean, how many people have you met you talk to about church or God or faith and they're like, you know what? I really have no thoughts or feelings, opinions about this whatsoever. So this is amazing. Probably none. Right? Just, just if you, if you want to have a little bit of fun, just start up a conversation about one of these things on social media and just see the tidal wave of opinion and feeling and because the people aren't neutral. They're not neutral about this stuff. And the reality is, is that none of us know really what we're going to get, even with the people we know pretty well, until we actually start talking to them about it. And we really don't like that unknown part, right? Like if we were guaranteed, like if people had a label on their head that said like, tell me about your church, I will respond positively. Most of us would be like, yes, all right, cool. Or like, don't even ever talk to me ever about God or your church, I will hate you. Like we would just if it was that easy, we would do it. But that unknown, it makes us it makes us uncomfortable. 
Because people have baggage when it comes to church, especially in today's world, especially on the West Coast. And yet, in spite of all of that, somehow you're here. Why? Because for many of us, maybe not all of us, but for many of us, we're here because somebody told us that this was different. They convinced you to forget what you thought you knew, to trust them, and to come see for yourself, and you did. And then while it's easy to complicate it, this is exactly the way that the movement of Jesus grew from the very beginning. It was an invitation to personal experience. And so I want to actually take you to a story this morning um, where we actually see this starting to unfold in, in rapid succession around the person of Jesus and with his own followers. It's found in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. If you have a Bible, flip in your Bible. If you want to get your Bible app, you can do that. Otherwise, you can just be, uh, we, we make it super easy. You could be lazy. Just follow along on the screen with us. So um, verse 35, it says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, this is John the Baptist, by the way, um, John looked at John the Baptist looked at Jesus and declared look there is the Lamb of God and when John's two disciples heard this they followed Jesus and Jesus looked around and saw them following and was like what do you want I just love that moment like there's like hey we should follow that guy he's God and then you're following God and he's like what do you want uh just thought you were God just thought I'd follow you around and, he, and they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, all of this, I know if you've grown up in church, like you read this and it all makes sense and we just act like it's normal. The first time G Peter meets Jesus, Jesus changes his name. I'd be like, what is your problem, dude? I ain't changing my name to Cephas. That's a weird name. I, whatever. I just decided to go to Galilee and he find my name my whole life. Uh, next, verse 33. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. And Philip was, was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Okay, so we're going to pause there. We'll come back to the story in just a minute. And I just want to give you a few observations as we start to get into this. Number one, um, in, in case you weren't aware, there are two different Johns in the New Testament. One John is writing this book. That John was a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was part of the inner circle of Jesus um, and, and he wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John, and then he wrote uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which is later in the New Testament. And then you have John the Baptist, who was a cousin or a relative of Jesus, who didn't write any of the books that are contained in the Bible, but he is the subject of the story that we're reading today at the beginning, when it, said, when it references John. So there's two different Johns. John the Baptist had two followers, and Jesus, at this point in time, Jesus had a grand total of none, none followers, zero, zip, and he stole John the Baptist's two followers. Jesus started out with zero followers, then he had two followers, and John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God, and this is how his two followers begin to 
follow Jesus. And he looks at him and he says he's the Lamb of God. And that, 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 that metaphor doesn't have a, a whole lot of significance for us, even if we're believers. Like we know what it means and it's become meaningful after the fact. But for them, it would have immediately, they would have immediately known exactly what John the Baptist was saying because they grew up in a system um, that was all around animal sacrifice where you had to sacrifice lambs once a year to cover over the sin for you and your family um, at the temple. And so when John says, there's the Lamb of God, they were like immediately, boom, that's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one that we've grown up thinking about. He is the fulfillment of everything we've ever learned about. He's the one. So that's why they were like, dude, enough of you. We're following that guy. And so they started to follow him. So John's disciples follow Jesus. One of them was Andrew. And the first thing Andrew does is to go find his brother, Peter. And the next day they go to Galilee and Jesus finds Philip and he invites Philip to join him. And then, and, and as we're going to see in just a minute, Philip does the same thing Andrew does. He goes and finds somebody. See, Jesus had no followers. Then he had two. And those two began inviting family and friends to just come and see it. To just come check it out for themselves. Everyone in the story is excited about what they experienced. They're so excited that they can't help but tell someone else. They didn't overthink it. They don't overshare. They just simply share it. The people they shared with liked them enough to see if they might like Jesus too. Have you ever found your way to something because you liked the person who liked it? I have. In fact, I've had moments where I've been willing to try something that I had written off because somebody I trusted and somebody I liked told me that they had a good experience. Like, ah, I thought, no, I, no, okay, fine, I'll try it again. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. So the story goes on in verse 45 and 46. It says that, um, and, and if you remember in verse 44, it says Jesus found Philip and, said, and told Philip to come and follow him. Verse 45, then Philip went to look for Nathanael, and he told him, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael wasn't like, awesome, let's go check it out. He was like, wait, Nazareth? What? Nazareth? What the heck kind of good could come out of Nazareth? Philip didn't get defensive. He didn't say, well, if you go back to the original Greek and you look at the prophecy. No, he just said, hey, man, come see for yourself. Just come see it for yourself. I love, I love Nathaniel's response because it's just so human because we do that, right? Have you ever judged someone based on where they lived or where they were from? Of course you have. This happens all the time. Honestly, it happens all the time to me when people find out that I live in Moreno Valley. They're like, you live in Riverside? No, in Moreno Valley. They're like, oh, all right. I mean, that's a perfectly good choice if that's where you want to live. I mean, it's kind of the ghetto. Right? And that, and that happens to me all the time. And I'm like, you should check it out for yourself. I got donkeys that live in my yard. <clears throat> yes we have wild donkeys that live out by us it's weird i know it's, it doesn't make any sense there was like four of them in my yard this morning when i left my house um but 
Look at Nathaniel, look at Philip's response, right? Like, and, and Nathaniel's response is the reason why we don't want to share our faith with people or invite people because they already have a set of assumptions or beliefs because they think of, they think they know already what, what it is that, that they've, ta- that they're taking a pass on, right? And, and so, so Philip says, hey, come check this out. We found the guy, the one, the one that Moses wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And he's like, wait. It reminds me, um, a couple of days ago, I was, uh, I was laying in bed with my son, my three-year-old, um, Kelton. And I was, we were talking and kind of snuggling and laughing and giggling. And I was telling him something. And I was right in the middle of describing something. And he goes, wait. And he's looking at me. And I think he's looking at me, but he's looking past me. And, he, and I was like, what? And he crawls over to me. He crawls over me and he grabs something and he lifts up a cup and he says, you went to in and out without me? <laughs> uh, I thought it was something that mattered, but he was just bent out of shape that I had in and out without him. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But Philip, but Philip doesn't get defensive. He just says, come see for yourself. Right, right. But Nathaniel's response is exactly what we're afraid of. That people think they know what church, like it's narrow-minded or it's judgmental or it's too political or man, that's boring or those people are self whatever it's self-righteous, whatever it is. And our fear is that now they're going to take those assumptions and apply those to us. Because now we're associated with those things. But look, here's the deal. The right interaction with someone can change the wrong impression they have of something. And if we, if we kind of get a hold of that, that, that part of our responsibility, that part of our, our, the thing that we get to do, part of our privilege is that we get to change people's minds about what they think God is all about, what they think church is all about. And I think that that is actually something super exciting. To, that, that, that's something to be excited about, not to shy away from. Because the truth is, is what they feel, their experiences, and, and I always remind myself of this, is like, if I'd have gone through what they've gone through, if I'd have seen what they saw, if I'd experienced what they, I'd probably feel the same way. But I get to say, hey man, like, I, I don't blame you. I've had those same, but I'm telling you, that's not me, and that's not this, and that's not our church. I promise you, it is different. <clears throat> because the right interaction with someone can change the wrong impression they have of something. I mean, you think about something in your life that you'd totally written off, but then you found out that someone that you like, liked it. And so you decided you needed to give it a second chance. And that's exactly what Philip's response was. Like, he doesn't argue with him. He doesn't, he just, he doesn't try to convince him of anything. He just simply says, come see for yourself. You can think what you want, but you're wrong. But when you see it for yourself, you experience it for yourself. If you still think and feel that way, well, then I can't do anything about that. But I promise you. This is different. Because, and, and I love that he had that response because Jesus needs to be experienced, not explained. And we spend so much of our time trying to explain all the things that need to, like we want people to understand. And the truth is, is that no amount of explanation for most people is going to work. What they really need is to experience his love. What they really need is to experience what it's like to step into a faith community and to be accepted and to belong and to be cared about. 
years ago, um, there's a burger joint in Sacramento called the Squeeze Inn. And uh, a few years ago, it was featured on um, Guy Fieri's show, uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Anybody ever watch that? Yeah, so, um, so he featured, like he went to this place, um, and after it was on the show, um, like their business just blew up. They started adding locations. It was just, it was, it was mad. People were coming from all over Northern California to check it out. And I just had a ton of friends who kept telling me like that I needed to try it. And they kept saying that there was just something about the way that they did the cheese on their cheeseburgers. And I thought, well, I do like cheese. Um, I mean, all kinds of cheese, cheddar, Swiss, pepper jack, Gouda, blue, Parmesan, mozzarella, shredded, block, sliced, cubed, string even. I don't even think that's cheese, but I'll, string cheese is good. Whatever, I like it. And I like cheeseburgers, but I kept thinking, like, what's the, how good can it be? And so a few months later, um, I ended up meeting a friend there for lunch. And honestly, I wasn't disappointed. I experienced for myself what everyone else kept raving about and the way they did their cheese, like, like the burger is just a normal burger, but they, they figured out a way for the cheese to stick off their burger like this big. Like it's just cooked cheese everywhere. It's, it's amazing. But I experienced it for myself and it, it changed my burger life. It changed everything. And this is, <laughs> yes, thank you. This is the essence of how the movement of Jesus has spread, of how the church grows. The essence of it is an, invitational, an invitation to personal experience. The primary reason for growth throughout history in the last 2,000 years in the church is invitation. It's not advertising, it's not programs, it's not gimmicks or tricks. It's people inviting other people to come and experience it for themselves. Now, if you're like me, it can be pretty intimidating. In fact, I'm embarrassed to admit it out loud to you, but I'm a pastor and I've never been good at this, ever. Like I get the, like, the cold sweats, I start thinking of all the reasons why they're going to say no, like I'm going to feel like an idiot, like I just, these people like, and, and, uh, and my wife's like, you've known them for 30 years, like it's okay. My wife's really good at this, Hansi is just amazing. It's just easy and natural for her. But I, honestly, at times in my life, it's been really difficult and awkward. In fact, um, <clears throat> quite a few years ago, we moved from Las Vegas and we moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area. We're about an hour north of San Francisco, uh, living in a town called Petaluma. And we moved into this town home and, uh, and we, uh, Jaron and Kaylee were just babies. And, um, and we went down to the spa pool area and we got in the spa, and um, we were hanging out, and this other lady came and got in the spa, and Hansi started talking to her, and, um, and we're, we're just sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm like sitting there enjoying the spa, and I hear my, and they're going, oh, what do you do? What is your, and my, and, and my wife goes, well, my husband's a pastor, and I was like, so I look at her. And she's, and like the lady's looking at her and I'm like, <laughs> and she just smiles at me and she just keeps, and she's going, and I'm like going under the water, like I got to get out of here. Like, I think I'm going to go jump in the pool. You know, it's like, it's just such a weird, awkward moment. She's talking to her and she's, in, and I'm like, she, babe, she's enough of that. She doesn't want to hear about God. <laughs> you don't want to hear about God anymore. And I was like, 
this is so terrible. I'm having an anxiety attack. I mean, it was just such a difficult moment. So I get like all of the social anxiety and all of, I, I get all that. But here's the deal. Like you don't have to try to convince or coerce or convert anyone. You just have to invite people to come check it out. You just, we just do what Philip did in the story. Hey man, like I don't even know what to say but you should come and see it for yourself. Like, I, I wish I could like, say it better than that, but I can't. Just come see it for yourself. And, and as we said at the beginning, like, we do this a lot in almost every area of our lives, naturally. I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard about a restaurant that I need to try or people telling me about, you know, when it, the, the studio movie grill, like, they actually serve you food while you're watching a movie. It's The studio movie grill. Um, it is a great experience, by the way. Just big comfy chairs. You push a button and somebody shows up and you order and then like it, it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> or, or people telling me like this new Netflix flick show that I have to watch, right? Like, like it, we, we do this so naturally in every area of our life. But the truth is we can't convince anyone to love it. But we can invite them to try it. We can invite them to experience it. And the same is true for our faith and for our church and for Jesus. You can't convince somebody that they need this or that they need him. All you can do is invite them to come and experience it for themselves. So look at what happens in verse 47. Um, it says, as they approached, Jesus said, so what has just happened is Philip invited Nathaniel. Nathaniel was like, man. And then he said, come check it out for yourself. So he decides to go with him. So Philip and Nathaniel are now walking um, up to Jesus. It says, as they approached Jesus, uh, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked them, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. So the reason why um, Nathaniel had that response is because this is a miracle. Because where Nathaniel was sitting, Jesus didn't pass by there. They weren't standing. And, and Jesus saw him. So when Jesus says, I saw him, Jesus is doing a really cool God thing. Where he's going, Nathaniel, I know exactly who you are. I know everything about you. He wasn't like, oh, I kind of saw you sitting over there by the side. And Nathaniel's like, what? You must be God if you just looked over there and saw me. No, it was like, no, it was a miracle. That's why he was like, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus is like, you think that's something? What you're about to experience is going to blow your doors off your mind it, it buckle up because the next three years of your life will you'll never be the same see what i love about this story is once people did experience and evaluate for themselves what they discovered about jesus and who he was it just blew their minds he was so far beyond what they expected 
they somehow knew that they had found the one that they didn't even know that they were searching for. They just knew it because Jesus saw them and he loved them and he gave himself to them and he called them, just like he did with Nathaniel, he called them to their best life. He wasn't just another religion or church experience. He wasn't just another rabbi or teacher. He was the real deal. And that is exactly what people find when they come to experience it for themselves. See, it's God's job to show them that he's real. It's not your job. It's just your job to tell them where you found them. It's like, hey, whatever it is that you think about God, I I can't, I, I don't know anything about that. All I know is when I came here, when I was at this, with this group of people, when I got, this is, there's something there that can't be explained. This is where I experienced them. And you just leave the rest up to God. As you read the story, notice that the invitation changed everyone who accepted it. Every single person who showed up to check out this thing that Jesus was doing, they ended up having their whole life changed. Which really is the story of most of us here. It's exactly why we're asking you to do the same for everyone around you. Because the essence of how our church grows, the essence of how the movement of Jesus has grown over the years is is just simple phrase, I think I've found something that you'll like too. History tells us that Jesus, the movement of Jesus went from zero followers to two followers. And from there it went to 12 and then from 12 to 70 and then from 70 to 120 and there was just this exponential thing, and almost all of that was people going, hey, come check this out, come check this out. And within a generation of after Jesus had died and rose again and ascended into heaven, within 70 years of that, going from no followers to two followers, there were over a million people on the earth that were now Jesus followers out of about 150 million people total. And in 2,000 years, that million people has grown to 2.2 billion people today on planet Earth. Almost 35% of the population on the planet says, yes, I follow Jesus. How does that happen? It doesn't happen because it was a slick marketing thing. It happens because people said, hey, come check this out. You're going to... and and." What they found changed their life. The people in this story, they start by telling the people close to them, and eventually they tell people that they barely know at all. And and I think that's super helpful because if you're trying to figure out who to invite, just start with friends and family and neighbors. And if you're really bold, if you're really ready to take it a step further, if you're really ready to go out, I would say just move on to familiar strangers we talked about familiar strangers about four weeks ago and we talked about we talked about how these are people that we see every day or at least uh once a week in our in our routines but we don't actually know their names it's the barista that you've never actually met it's the crossing guard you make small talk with it's the guy that works out during the same slot with you at the gym it's the clerk at the gas station near your house make an effort to meet those familiar strangers in your life 
Because our church is built on an invitation culture, an invite culture, where we invite people to come check it out here. We invite people to take next steps. We invite people to join us in serving. We invite them to begin to grow. We invite them to get connected and to build relationships. I mean, if you think about all of the ways that your life has been transformed or is for the better, simply because of personal invitations that have been made to you. Like, it, it, like if this person hadn't, hadn't been bold enough to invite me, then I wouldn't have, like, have this job or be married to this person or found that diet that worked for me or met my best friend or whatever it is for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, most importantly, if that person hadn't been bold enough to invite you, you wouldn't really have a relationship with God. So, who can you invite? Who, who is in your life that you go, I can just go, hey, come check this out. Come see this for yourself. See, with family month coming, part of this is just us going, I, I think that there's an opportunity here to invite, for all of us to invite one. You can't invite everyone but you can invite one. You can't change the world, but you can change one person's world. So um, I, I jotted down some simple ideas for making you ask. Number one, build in a buffer. Like if, if you're like me, or maybe you're not as outgoing as others, or this is a little awkward or weird for you, like have a plan. Like don't go in with no plan, like empty-handed. Bring something with you that kind of helps sort of casually start the conversation. And this is why, the, honestly, it's the whole reason that our swag, like our hats and shirts and all the stuff that we print for, for um, series and for our campus, and our church, it's the whole reason that that stuff exists. And, and the truth is that anything can be a buffer. And, and what do we mean by that? It's just something of interest that you think that other people might be interested in as well. Something that's going to help you start a conversation. And, and, and honestly, at this point in time, we're just making it super simple. In every single one of your packets, there's a little card that just looks just like this. It says family month on it. And on the back, it says you're invited. We even did it for you. So you can just be like. <laughs> you, can, you can take it and just be like, hey, my, fam my, my church is doing this thing that all next month. It's focused on families. It's a ton of fun, and the best part is, like, it's changed my life. Would you be my guest? You're invited. Here's all the information. Build in a buffer. Second thing, be willing to bring them with you. Don't just invite them. Don't be an inviter. Be a bringer. Do more than just, like, I know, like, for some of us, it's a huge step to even, like, take, take this leap to invite somebody but, but resist the urge to take the path of least resistance. Do everything you can. Let's do everything we can together to get people through the door. Don't just send them a Facebook invite and then never follow up. If necessary, offer to pick them up, give them a ride, be a wake-up call for them, choose a Sunday. If they say no or if they say not now, just be like, cool. I'll ask you again later. I'll check back in five minutes. No, just kidding. Um, and it be as many, because here's, here's the deal. Statistically, people who are non-church goers, it takes an average of seven invitations before they actually walk through the door. 
And so we often go once or twice, the answer's no, or they couldn't make it, and we just go, okay, it's never going to happen. I'm not asking them anymore. Seven, the average person before they come. Seven. Um, and so just be willing. Just be willing to bring them with you, do whatever it takes. Um, finally, build, like, build in a buffer, bring them with you. Finally, just be willing to bribe them if necessary. Like, like it's okay to bribe somebody, honestly, if they know they're being bribed. You're not trying to manipulate them. It's honestly just a, like, it's actually a kind of a smart way to get people to try things that they don't know if they're going to like. Honestly, this is why stores and restaurants and organizations give discount coupons or give away free appetizers or buy one, get one free deals or whatever. This is why they do that because they're more, people are more likely to take a chance on something that they don't know if they'll like if there's something that they already like in it for them, which is free stuff. So they're doing you a favor by coming. Yes, that they are. If, if you invite them and you get them to come, they're doing you a favor by coming to church. Offer to do something for them. Take them to lunch or watch their kids, whatever it takes, honestly. And, and, and this is the beautiful part about doing it this time of year at Family Month is we built in all of that stuff for you. We do these amazing parties. We're going to do them all Sunday, uh, all month long on Sundays. It's kind of like cheating. Like you don't, you, you can just be like, hey, you come and I'll buy you lunch. Oh, look, they're having a fiesta. <laughs> I forgot about that. <clears throat> You don't have to bring everyone, but you can just bring one. So here's how we're going to end. Who, who came to your mind as you listened today? Not because you heard me talking, but because God is talking to you about that person. Somebody that you need to invite, somebody that you need to talk to, somebody that you need to reach out to this week and invite them to come check it out. If you're here and you're not a believer this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, First of all, like, we're really glad you're here, and thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end. You're almost done, I promise. But, like, what we want you to know is that we're not trying to convince you of anything. We're not trying to convince you that we're right or win some argument about religion this morning. We're not trying to guilt you or shame you into anything. We just want you to know that what we've discovered, what we've experienced in Jesus, and to invite you to experience him for yourself. That, that's all this is. So why don't we pray together? <clears throat> God, um, Lord, right now as we pray, all of us can think of someone. Not that we would manipulate or coerce but someone that we could simply reach out to and say hey I think you'll like this come and see what I've found and so Lord I just believe in the power of this conversation I believe in the power of invitation and so God I fully believe that right now for many of us sitting here, there's a name. There's a name in our heart. There's a name in our mind. It might be even be somebody that we've invited before. It might be somebody that we worked on for a long time and just gave up on. But God, that name is rolling around 
And Jesus, you're bringing that person to the very front of our hearts and minds so that we know, God, that you're leading us to reach out to them. And Lord, if we're here and, and we're thinking and praying and no one has come to mind, God, may we not interpret that as a sign that you're letting us off the hook. But God, that you have given us permission for anyone and everyone that's in our life to invite them. To take the little invitation card that, that's here in our packet, take it with us this week, to give it out, to invite somebody to come. Lord, someone invited us, whether it was a parent, a grandparent, whether it was somebody in our family, a friend, whether we were a teenager, a kid, an adult, at some point somebody brought us, somebody invited us, Somebody said, I think you should check this out for yourself. And God, we stepped into a place and we met Jesus and our lives were changed forever. And so Lord, we just want to do the same. God, we want to find those around us. We wanna reach out to people around us, make the ask, make the invitation and not feeling like God, we gotta prove anything, convince anybody, convert anyone, not feeling like you have to prove that you're real. God, you can handle all the heavy lifting on that. We are simply the people that just get to say, hey, whatever you experienced, whatever you thought, whatever person hurt you, whatever church violated what God is all about and you walked away from, I just want you to know that this isn't like that, that that's not who God is. And I want you to come and check this out for yourself. God, thank you. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning who maybe had stepped away from their faith in you. Maybe this is something they experienced or grew up in. Um, Lord, or for people, God, who are here and they've never made that step. God, that in this moment that you would be real to them in a way that is impossible for me to communicate. You would just speak to them in the silence of their own soul. God, that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would love them, and they would experience what Nathaniel and Philip and Andrew and Simon and hundreds and thousands and ultimately millions of people, billions of people have experienced. Jesus changed our life. God, thank you for this morning. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.